first I say a toe to you know what? A toe to A fucking a toe to Uh, hello and welcome to this episode of The Bottleman. Uh, it's me, Dan, and uh, Riley joining hello. us from uh, his home on the wet, damp, cursed island of uh, Big London. I think the second second wettest and dampest island now, realistically. Yeah, Vancouver Island is, uh, I think, surpassed um, the UK, the, the hated UK as the yeah. wettest island. Also, this, the Scran and Vancouver would not make me act a rotter. I just got to put that out there. Um, You're not acting a rotter for uh, the, the, the hot, piping hot Scran at Milestones or Earls. You absolutely cannot get um, a, a wig and kebab there. Uh, and the Scran's a disgrace. It's proper Scran over here, mind you. You you're, you're not going to catch me acting the rudder over um over a steak that's shaped like a softball at the keg. Yeah, but um, but but if you give me a pie served in a roll covered in gravy, I will absolutely I will absolutely act the rudder for a for a bite of a pie covered in gravy in a bun. Uh, I'll act the rudder. Uh, I'll act the rudder. <laughs> you're gonna for, act the um, huh? I'm gonna act the rudder for uh, BC Ferries clam chowder. <laughs> Man, it's it's like somewhere between Boston and Manhattan style. Oh, perfect. It's hard just, to explain. Just a little bit of tomato in it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, just keep yeah. just just a, just a very t- a little bit of tomato paste. You know, it's it's people like you go far and wide uh, for uh, to 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 have just a just a soupçon of a little bit of the fine dining on BC ferries. And again, that is now most of the restaurants in BC. That's right. Just by That's the numbers. Right. BC. <laughs> BC Ferries is now the only operational restaurant in uh, in the province. It's the only place that you can get four very dry chicken strips and uh, a Caesar salad that looks like whoever made it was extremely pissed. God, I, I wonder like how like the fine the world of fine dining is going to react to climate change, right? Like because we had stuff like um uh uh uh, uh what was it um Stonehill Farms I think it was like in, in that was in, in Manhattan it was like Dan Barber's yeah, restaurant. Yeah. It was like uh, yeah. something like that. I, I, I don't remember the name. Uh, don't yell at me. Um, where they're like, oh, we're trying to let's like do really early on the whole environment thing. Noma doing the whole foraging thing. But that's all mm-hmm. sort of just like you know, liberal indulgences trying to make people feel better. What What's going to be yes. the first like, well, we still need to like have a, like a three Michelin star restaurant. Um, well, but well, it's going to have to be re- like on an oil derrick. If my recent stay in Brooklyn is any indication, um, it'll be uh, the restaurant Carthage Must Burn, which is literally the name of a place uh, around the corner from Brooklyn. The, is so, from, I always forget. I always think that 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 like the bit of East London, <laughs> east of Spitalfields and west of Stepney, is among the stupidest places in the entire. Like Brick Lane specifically is real stupid, uh, but I always forget yeah. what's in Brooklyn. I, I had two food choices because uh, I was staying at a warehouse uh, in in like the east part of Williamsburg. I, I think it I think it might have even used to be Greenpoint and was colonized by Williamsburg. Um, one restaurant was uh, the Bodenga down the street where you could, where get, could, you get, could get a, a classic egg sandwich, which I did frequently for breakfast. Um, 
or I could go to Carthage Must Burn, um, and I could pay twenty American dollars for a bowl of porridge and nothing else, or I could pay thirty-seven American dollars for what they call the chicken sandwich. And that's thirty-seven dollars. That's uh, what they call the chicken sandwich. Is it a special chicken? Yeah. Like, uh, look, I'm someone who, as uh, if Milo edits this episode, will be nodding to confirm that this is true. I will overpay for food. But oh, me too. Absolutely, I'm just not overpaying for porridge. Yeah, I, I, you know what it might happen. At a place is, called Carthage must burn. Oh yeah, I forgot about that bit. Oh, God. Every every new detail is pain. Uh, yes. I, I I I suspect. I wonder if that's going to be one of the ways that like the world of fine dining reacts to like civilizational collapse is just more intensive branding of the same stuff. I, I think that's it. I think I think it's going to be as as like the access to commodities shrinks. You're going to have like, you know, intensive branding and and very expensive prices for like a food trough. You know, like for like oh food. You know, an uncooked yeah. cabbage. Of course, people will be lining up around the block to take out a fucking mortgage to eat an uncooked cabbage. Then again, in though. the last place with electricity, like. <laughs> French Laundry did that uh, in California. One of their things was they were like, oh, our dessert is just a single perfect California plum. And then, you know, you'd go and... Uh, or I, I don't know if it was, it was uh, French Laundry, but it was definitely... There was one of the, like, one of the, like, original high-end California, like, wine country restaurants. One of their things was, no, we're highlighting the produce so much, the dessert, we don't even make it. We just put, we just select a plum and serve it to you on a plate, and there's your dessert. <laughs> it's it just shows single, just, just a single slice of a lethal amount of blowfish because you know that's how you're gonna go out. You're gonna be like, I can't fucking take it anymore. Uh, everything, everything sucks. The planet is either burning or drowning. You can go to Carthage, must burn, and um, empty out your savings account and get a single piece of uh, blow sh- blowfish. Well, LCD sound systems, 45-minute uh, uh, mix they made for Nike plays in the background. You remember the good old days as you yeah. slip away. Yeah, absolutely. It's going it's to be um, all the 2007 hipster runoff stuff is going to be back, but it's going to all be like necessities of living in the new world. Like you're gonna have to have <laughs> totally. some kind of like a sort of esoteric bicycle in order to like get to Carthage Must Burn so that you can like trade your water tokens for the um for the uh what's called the fucked vibes porridge, but uh, the U is an asterisk. And it's got yeah. a little it's got a little cayenne pepper in it. And it's fifty dollars. I hear you and your friends are trading your air filters for uh armored water ski deuce. <laughs> Could you? Could I instead interest you in? Um, could I instead interest you in this uh, a Korean-inspired chicken sandwich? Uh, it's <laughs> it's one skidoo. Uh, it is. It is. You can just, you can come over here on your on your the penny farthing, which is the big, only bicycle that's big enough to get uh, to get over the flooded street. Um, yeah, yeah. And then, you need you know, that elevation to get through the uh, flooded gutters. That's right. Yeah, and and, and the, the the sort of the hipster runoff mustaches are also useful because they uh, they filter out. So it's like a baleen, you know. They filter out some of the bad stuff. I think that the two thousand seven hipster, the classic hipster runoff person, the original, the the vice don'ts, right? They're all <laughs> gonna be the ones who are uh, uh, sort of running post apocalyptic uh, Brooklyn. I think it's coming back. Oh, yeah. It's coming because it was it all right adaptive. Now. They were just ahead of the uh, time. 
2035 is the year of uh, hipster 2.0 little yeah. fiefdoms you know oh i um, can't wait for i can't wait for dennis leary to share it give us a piece of his mind about those guys that's gonna be great <laughs> just the three-dimensional uh projected apparition of dennis leary is like a perpetual <laughs> nft uh Thousands of meters tall, hovering over the city, passing judgment <laughs> on everyone. In order to commemorate those who have lost their, in order to commemorate those Brooklynites who have lost their lives in the water wars, we've commemorated this NFT of Dennis Leary, projected. flapping his flapping his fucking Matrix leather trench coat like the wings of a satanic bat obscuring the sun we have projected it on it's it's there is now clouds oh, obscuring uh, uh uh it's in it's it's in it's in new york there's clouds obscuring it at all times now it hasn't been a sunny day in years uh dennis leary is projected onto a storm cloud <laughs> just there being just saying all the stuff he said in 2003 about like guys on unicycles or whatever and it's just still the relevant culture. That's the only like cultural thing I really want to bring back is just is yes. bring back like the two thousand early two thousand style hipster because I want to hear Dennis Leary give him a piece of his mind. It's coming, man. It is. It is absolutely coming. Um, and what else is coming is uh, yearly climate catastrophes that our government is either a unprepared to deal with or b will uh, take advantage of in. The uh, securitization of our precious natural resources. Oh, that's good. I was I was hoping that that would continue because I mean, we were we've been talking about this for a while, right? I think like the and we we sort of we've been framing this, I think, in the way of understanding understanding Canada as kind of increasing. Like Canada has always been at war with a slice of the people who live here, and yeah. I think as sort of things get harder to manage the group of people uh, against whom canada is at war um is going to get bigger and the people they're doing it yes. on behalf of that group is going to get smaller yes right. the enemies list will uh grow and grow yes that's longer correct. and longer um you know and i think that i think that framing it in this way has uh sort of we've been talking about this for the last couple of days has kind of set my mind on fire. Um, because I, you know, as listeners know, I grew up in, uh, in British Columbia, grew up on Vancouver Island and, um, I have to hand it to them. They finally, they finally did it. Mm -hmm. They have finally beat Saskatchewan and Alberta in a race to separate from the rest of the country. So yeah, it's, it's Cascadia Wexit. achieved Wexit minus Alberta achieved. And oh, and the only okay. thing that it took is what meteorologists are calling an atmospheric river washing out and or destroying most of the highways leading from Vancouver to the rest of the country. So like just to just to give the outlines of this, uh the entire city of Merritt, British Columbia, about seven thousand people, yeah, um, had to be evacuated during this when its water treatment system failed. So basically, basically, the sewage system failed and the entire town flooded. People with odd numbered houses were told to go to, um, I, can't, I can't remember the two towns. I think one of them was Penticton. But they basically told people, odd numbered houses go to this town, even numbered houses go to that town. No one stays. So yeah. there was merit. There was Abbotsford, which has a large amount of industrial feedlots and poultry farms, which is now completely underwater. 
uh, Abbotsford had evacuation orders. On Vancouver Island, uh, where my family is, the highway washed out at the Malahat, uh, which is uh, sort of a high, high elevation part of the Trans Island Highway near Victoria. Um, and, and it washed out again at Comox, basically severing parts of the island from each other. Um, I, I got some great video footage from uh, my dad's partner of her trying to drive home from Victoria in what literally looked like a river on top of a two-lane highway on top of a mountain. Yeah. And, and, and any time, and I think we know how British Columbia responds to crises like this, right? It's by any crisis that is faced by the British Columbia government, they tend to say, okay, well, who do we have to protect with a wall from who else? Right? Yes. You solve your you 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 have a, one of the worst housing crises, longest running in the entire country. Uh, you solve it by walling off the homeless. Uh, you have yeah. a an ongoing sort of crisis, like springing from like like drug criminalization or whatever. What do you do? Well, you got to keep them, try to keep them away from the Olympic site. It's just and the That's, question I think, if you want to think about British Columbia politics, right? You got to say, okay, well, how are they going to try to keep this problem out of sight for the people who they're trying to keep British Columbia nice for? Exactly. Yeah. And the people who they're trying to keep it nice for are completely attenuated to these crises now. They've, they've sort of learned to react to them. So, uh, you know, Nanaimo correspondent and Wolf Parade drummer Arlen Thompson uh, told me that Costco in Nanaimo was completely sold out of meat. Yeah. Uh, well, look, you know. Because of, because of hoarding. So What, what are you going to do? Not have a barbecue just because of a little rain? <laughs> Come on. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we've got now we've got uh, gas rationing on the island, 30 mm-hmm. gallons per customer, which is going to drive is driving uh, the sort of boomer ruling class there. Um, we're largely, I would say, you know, as a generation responsible for a lot of the things that are happening. Mm-hmm. It's driving them completely batshit crazy. So, of course, well, because it's all these social programs, right? Yes. <laughs> You're spending too Absolutely. much money in the welfare state. So the gas is going up. <laughs> Uh, this, this rather phenomenon called an atmospheric river is uh, unrelated uh, entirely. Yes, totally unrelated. Yeah. I want to number, number one. Uh, mass uh, burning of uh, of petroleum and internal combustion uh, engines didn't cause it, and uh, certainly the uh, fact of it occurring didn't cause the price to go up. Exactly. Yes. Yes. These things are totally disconnected from each other. And speaking of disconnected, how do you like this segue? I want to talk about the infrastructure damage. Uh, <laughs> well, okay. I'm so, just gonna I'm just gonna drive out to BC, and I'm gonna I'm gonna drive to to Vancouver, and I'll just look when I drive there. It's fine. Well, here's the thing: you can't can't do I that. Guess, yeah, because I'm in the UK. I don't think I could drive there directly from the UK. But I assume well, once I got to Canada, I would be able to drive there. I have bad news for you. Oh, no. uh, all of the highways, they're all gone. They're yep. all they're all fucked. Um, yep. Specifically, specifically the Coquihalla, which is which is uh, a funny name. Uh, but also uh, one of the major transport links between Vancouver, which has uh, Canada's busiest port, and the uh, rest of the country. And it's it's astonishing. I mean, I mean, there's the thing. Is it astonishing? No, it's not astonishing. But I mean, you, you, the, the extent to which it's just like, well, the response to this, this thing that uh, could have been stopped and now isn't, uh, this thing that could have been prepared for but wasn't, and could be reacted to properly but won't be, is... Ah, uh, well, you know, just get used to it. Yeah, uh, because, basically. Yeah, because, well, you don't want anything to, anyone to do anything about this. No, no. no. Why, I mean, why would you? This is, uh, this is, it, it's, uh, 
It's just that kind of adoption of like yearly goldfish brain because, you know, just six months ago, this area of British Columbia was under another like very different crisis, which was giant wildfires, uh, just bellowing smoke and threatening communities, forcing people to evacuate. So, yeah, it seems like the memory cycle has gotten shorter and shorter, possibly because this is too large and uh, upsetting to really sit down and contemplate without having to talk about like major structural changes. You know what it is, is you're asking, you're asking the BC NDP, right? You're asking fucking John Horgan to try to contemplate a hyper object. Yes. You know? You're asking a group of politicians whose entire lives have just been about climbing a party and political greasy pole to get into the unfireable <laughs> position uh, that they're in right now. To just be like locked in there as the sort of sensibly progressive but isn't threatening your retirement fund or whatever. Doesn't feel like they're yeah. threatening your retirement fund. Um, a, 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 a sort of a party, right? And you're asking them to, and the thing is, right? This is this is what, what makes the sort of the framing that we've been talking about such an it's a different one, right? Because it's so easy to imagine this as in, as ineptitude, right? Yeah. The, the, the refusal to confront the reality of what is happening it's easy to imagine as ineptitude. I think at, instead you have to think of it as a kind of weaponized ineptitude. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the only hyper object organs interested in contemplating is like the baseball size beyond meat version of the steak at the keg. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, because that's easy. That's a switch. That, that is that that's not even asking you just to have a, a switch in your consumer preferences. It's satisfying the same preference a different way. Yeah. You know, exactly. You're, you're not really giving anything of value up and you're not really doing any sort of self crit you know yeah, but you're also but, for example you're also not there is also no say i don't know even the base level of collective effort that happens when like liberal democratic states do stuff which is you know quite minimum right like, as a minimal level of, a minimal baseline amount of collective effort is involved when a liberal democratic state does something um even that is not attainable you know uh, should yeah. there be another highway should the highways be less i don't know destroyable on a sort of twice a year basis uh, yeah, Should no. we maybe stop logging? <laughs> no. no. Should no. we stop taking the things off the mountains that hold the soil there, that when this inevitable atmospheric river comes again, and another one is coming later this weekend, mm -hmm. um, we're recording on Sunday, so yeah, um, then then maybe, uh, maybe the soil will hold, you know? Mm. Well, it's, uh, it's, 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 I think we have a, a population of people who are sort of, be who who are told sort of on a daily basis by a sort of you know quite compliant sort of media and political class uh, that sort of is, is is one entity really that knows what its job is which at this point is there is a hype which to deal with the hyper object of climate change by just keeping the plate spinning for another day yeah that's yeah. it and that, yeah, what, exactly. what sort of what just get what i feel like I, i'm gonna just say over and over again is they're gonna they're they're they just want to keep as many plates spinning as they can, and they can spin a little fewer, a few fewer of them every single day. Mm -hmm. They're going to exactly. keep spinning as long just as they can. One, one plate spinning, just one, the most important plate. Most important um, plate of all. You know, you're, <laughs> you're talking about the inability of uh, the BC government and, and most liberal, liberal democracies to confront this, right? But fortunately, uh, we live in a social democracy where we have 
the media to help us. You they know, tell to you help who to guide vote us. For, you know, they tell you who to vote for. They they tell you who's uh, which country is embedded uh, recording software in your fucking microwave. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, they, hey, you know what? Maybe if the Michaels were here a few months ago, they would have helped BC prepare. You know, oh, you, you better believe it that when I started seeing reports of uh, massive infrastructure destruction in um, in British Columbia, I I prayed that uh, they would airdrop some Michaels. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, just just it's so fucking insulting seeing Canada go on, Canadian government officials go on and on and on about Russia and China when the fucking rain has taken more Canadian lives than fucking russia or china has total yes yes yeah absolutely so, so our you know we we get our media here to to basically uh to basically keep these politicians accountable as it were so they're going to answer you know questions they're they're going to guide us through this scary time so you know what's going to help with this is a rules-based international order that needs to exactly. be presi- you know what if hey check this out what if we we got NATO uh, to <laughs> um, to to potentially send in uh, some consultants uh, to design a way to uh, uh, sort of deter the atmospheric river. Yeah, what we need to do is we need to build a uh, sort of sub atmospheric platform with uh, javelin missile positions on it and point mm-hmm. them directly at the at the at the rogue rain clouds. So I mean, one of the things that. One of the things that Alice says in, in TF, which I sort of uh, has really caught on for me anyway, is um, all we can do is the impossible. You know, all, all we can do is if if Canada actually does have a problem, if Canadian citizens are in are not secure, because you know, Canadian citizens are not secure, it's just that they're insecure from this, right? Mm-hmm. All we can do is manage the threat we want to manage, which isn't really the threat. Right, we can manage yeah. the threats that we can point javelin missiles at, not these things. We can. Well, it's easy uh, to manage a, fr- a threat that you've completely conjured out of yes. air. You know, <laughs> it's it's easy to manage that threat, or manage the threat in a way that you h- would like the threat to be managed, like a Beyond Meat Burger, right? But what yeah. if you're all you can do, and you know what will work, and you can't do it? All you can do is impossible magic, or solve a different problem you wish you were solving. That's it. Yes. There is no there is no state capacity anymore to do these things and and of the uh, on the areas of the state that can act which is basically the security forces we're going to get into that and the areas of civil society that can act is basically capital and it's already told you what it's going to do it's building up walls. And if uh, you're oh, shit what if we consolidate capital and the security forces wouldn't that be more efficient less wasteful? It would be very efficient. Um and then I I you could be so excited to to, to walk places, you could step really, really high when you're going, wherever you're going. That's right. Yeah. You, you put your leg out in front of you, uh, mm-hmm. and before you put it down again, you, you, you bend your uh, knee all the way out so your toes are sticking up, saying hello to the sun. Oh, yeah. And then you do the other thing with the other leg. Yeah, that's a sun salutation, I'm pretty sure. I think that's what that is. You, yeah, you're wearing boots when, when you do this, you know? Yeah. It's uh, safer. But uh, I want to I want to talk about the media response to uh, to this total catastrophe. Um, this is this is the guiding light for Canadians. The glo- This is Julie Gordon at the Globe and Mail. Oh, thank you. Right. She's gonna she's gonna set us straight. 
Yeah, well, she's going to allay some fears, you know, and, and maybe take a cold look at what's happening. Finding the perfect real Christmas tree will be fuck harder off. and more expensive this year. Shut the fuck up. No, no, let's hear Julie out. Canada, Riley, Canada uh-huh. is the world's top exporter of natural Christmas trees. We're number one, grappling baby. With the sh- <laughs> we did it. <laughs> Nowhere to go but up. Uh, no, we're at the top. Um, yeah. Is grappling, grappling with a yeah, shortage. Gotta, that like- everyone's, everyone's pocket watching us. I can tell. Norway, Finland. Stop pocket watching. Stop cloud chasing. Just like focus on your own real domestic Christmas tree industry. And yeah, like exactly. we're happy to like link and build and collect with like what you're doing now that's like new and exciting. But like if you're just here to hate on us, then we're not interested. I mean, we paid the cost to be number one, right? <laughs> we cut all those Christmas trees down. We risked critical infrastructure failure. And, and you know, you got you to gotta spend money to make money. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> Another one. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, Canada, the the world's top exporter of natural Christmas trees, is grappling with a shortage that will likely be exacerbated by historic flooding in British Columbia, where some tree farms are underwater. Do you ever wonder what one of these articles is going to look like in ten? Like, what what will like ten years from now, Julie Gordon be writing? Like, uh, uh, if you are if you're hoping to be one of the, uh, the the lucky families that gets a turkey, well, today y- this year's draw has occurred. Uh, uh, he- Gorgon the Magnificent, uh, ruler of Sudbury, has declared a uh, cessation of beheadings for the Christmas season. I mean, it's, Hooray, it's very Gorgon. <laughs> it's very strange to just like to see the sort of slow unraveling of. To see that, yeah, the, the the slow and very and sort of avoidable unraveling of what you sort of think of as society happening, and that sort of the the only way that I think it's possible to even look at it is in little bits, little tiny pieces, so that you can apply your existing frameworks to it. The framework of yes. where will I get a Christmas tree this year, and when and when considered in the fact that like. Um, the, the one of the the third largest city in Canada is physically cut off from the rest of uh, rest of the country. Our busiest port is physically cut off from the rest of the country. It's going to happen again next week, uh, and nobody seems to have a plan to deal with it. And we're now starting to get internally displaced people. Yes. it's hard to look at that beyond the frame of where am I going to get my Christmas tree, because. That's a problem you can kind of solve. You can get mm-hmm. a different Christmas tree. You can get a fake Christmas tree. You can eat a Beyond Meat burger. But well, well, that's the thing is that even in Julie's article, like which I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but but you know, she first you have to ask yourself who commissioned this thing at this time. Oh, sorry, why now? I, I did. Sorry, <laughs> it was me. Everybody. Okay. Um, well, I'm, I know I'm a, I know you're coming here for Christmas, and you're a little worried that you won't have uh, you won't walk downstairs in your slippers and your pajamas, <laughs> and uh, open your nostrils in the smell of like Douglas fir. Uh, oh yeah, I need to be I need to be walking when I'm visiting you in Montreal. I expect to cut to be lifted from where I'm sleeping to your house every single morning by the scent of a fresh Douglas fir from Vancouver. That's All right. right. And there better be, well, I, want Julie, a, I want a fire truck. What Julie's, art, <laughs> what Julie's article is saying is that's going to cost you 10 to 15% more this year. 
Um, that's the that's the conclusion that that this yeah. article comes to. Christmas tree that, uh, it says you can also there expect will be less, less trees, less selection, less selection, and you pay more. And it's just, but yeah. like that, but that, like that's going to be people's experience of everyday life from now, basically, for the foreseeable future, which is, uh, you get less, it costs more, and it's worse in little tiny know, bits. And, and like, what are we supposed to do with this this information? Are we? It's like, are we like Romans, and the article is a pigeon, and I have to cut it open and pull its guts out and read between the lines and say, oh, when when Julie says uh, Christmas trees and fifth. 10 to 15% more. She's talking about water and it's 300 to 700% more, you know? Yeah, like, absolutely. And it's, it's 300, 300 to 700% more of a commodity that is fought over by people on jet skis uh, with swords than it is <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah. 700% I'm, I'm more throw, than that. I'm throwing in my lot with Gorgon. I'm going to be giving my, um, I'm going to be composing songs about him. I'm going to be performing them under the giant nickel in Sudbury. <laughs> You'd uh, be a great bard, I think. That's, like a kind of I've traveling bard. I've thought about bard. this a lot, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, damn. what What am I good at? What can I do? Bad, like my eyesight is poor. Yeah. Eventually they're going to run out of contact lenses. Somebody's going to steal my glasses. I'm going to be fucking useless in the apocalypse. My one uh, talent is I can compose uh, songs chronicling the deeds, um, the great works of whatever local warlord I need to get water from. But that's the thing, right? It's not even going to be a local warlord you need to get water from. Because like, all of these institutions, every, and this is one of the reasons I think we sort of frame it the way we do, is that all of these institutions are fighting to stay the way they are. And they're going to stay the way they are as long as they can. If that means you yeah. go and pay like a thousand dollars for a barrel of water from Costco, that's what that means. It's there's the the, the institution yeah. of the warlords not going. Maybe you need to be a lot more nice to like your the 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 the, the chief of provincial police all of a sudden, right? Yes, like that's you maybe, it. Like we made the cr- critical mistake of imagining a future that is funnier and and like more fun to think about than the actual reality. <laughs> yeah, it's like you know, it's what happens. Everything is like Costco is going to get like it. It's going to be the smaller amounts of stuff, and it's not as good, and it's a lot more. And you know, I get the whole sort of the promise of like living in a capitalist country, the promise of like, yeah, you have to sell your, you basically have to sell your labor if you're not like one of the five people who buys the labor, right? Um, but yeah. on the other hand, what you do get is you get 30 different kinds of toothpaste, and it costs like a buck, right? Fine. Exactly. You get, you get buck a beer. Deal. And there's eight different buck of beer options, or you have like you 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 have thing you can you have treats and things that you can get, and like this is it's just endless wave after wave of just that going away because when 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 hard choices have to be made, the cho- the, the the that out group always gets the short end of the stick. You get less, and I think a lot of Canadians are having to face going to have to face the fact that. They're in. They're they're marching steadily towards the out group, you know. Oh yeah. You're, you're, the, yeah. the moment of rupture will never come. It's just going to be a little bit worse and it's a little a, bit more expensive. It's going to be a long. It's it's not unlike what's happening. I mean, it's mirrored in the housing market. It is a long, slow sorting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know exactly. Um, and I, the, the, re- the reason we talk about the reason we talk, we talk about like Canada as like being in a having sort of declared war on people. Is that like is it, there are fronts in this war, right? Some of them are um, 
So, so and there's there's collateral damage in this war, but the war ultimately is just to keep taking the stuff out of the ground, you know. Yes, and Absolutely. and just because just because and even the, I'd say just because there aren't soldiers facing you, uh, sort of shooting at you, unless you're some people who are especially in in the out group, let's say. Um, mm-hmm. Doesn't who mean are on, that we're on the bleeding edge of the outgroup, if you yeah. will. Yeah, uh, but just because that's not happening doesn't mean that they're that. Basically, it's not let's say working against your best interests, and that's happening in uh, New Brunswick right now, where the province is attempting to uh, break a uh, strike of public employees. The closely Irving connected uh, a government is, is engaged in strike breaking. It's engaged in strike breaking because. Because again, reacting to a natural a, a sort of, in as much as a zoonotic uh, pandemic is a natural disaster, reacting to a natural disaster by picking the out group and making them bear the load of it, because they're lo- like public workers in New Brunswick are looking at a two and a half uh, percent raise, which is well below the cost of living, well below inflation, all that, all sorts, and so that's an, that's another front. But people in um, people in BC, right, who are um, who are cut off from uh, you know being able to get off of Vancouver. Uh, I'm sorry. You're a civilian casualty. You know, you're uh, this, but it's. But I, I, I think we do not understand. We do not understand climate change, uh, and the effects of climate change, and the effects of climate change on Canada as it is perpetrated by the Canadian state in nearly in in the violent terms in which I think they are actually happening. Like it's not. It's it is not discussed in those terms. Yeah, and we can see into the future. If we just look back four days, if we look back to Thursday, so, you know, Thursday, Friday, Abbotsford feedlots, these huge agribusiness zones in uh, the South Delta had enough food for the animals for four to five days, right? Like, like that is a, that is a critical shortage that was looming. Road crews opened up like a small highway into the interior, but restricted it to essential travel. We talked about this other storm front that's coming in. So we can see to the future in the actions of the provincial and federal government. They basically sent military to southern British Columbia to help with critical work, like like filling up sandbags and infrastructure repair. And they also deployed a large group of heavily armed RCMP via private planes to arrest and remove wet sweat and land defenders and a few journalists from their blockade of the Coastal Gas Link Project. Because we have to make this worse, we have to do everything in our power at this point to make sure that the uh, that those atmospheric rivers keep coming and um, causing feed shortages, so that people in British Columbia will be forced out of their homes. Uh, they will be forced to go without food. Uh, they will be um, essentially uh, yet internally displaced, most likely, and uh, they're literally the Canadian internal security uh, as being deployed to make sure that the process that is allowing that to happen continues to intensify. Yes. Right? And, yes. and, and the fact that you can say, well, these, these are, I say, unrelated agencies. They are pursuing unrelated issues. The, the fact that they, maybe the coastal gas link is a property issue, which is not political, whereas, say, sending in the army to remedy a critical shortage is sort of the government taking political action. You know, by separating these two things, that is essentially again a a propaganda victory in uh, the sort of you know war on its own people uh, by Canada because it's like because because these things are seen as separate because these things are not seen as one in the same exactly yeah 
And this uh, uh, this armed, like, paramilitary-style assault on uh, Gittendeb territory, which is near Houston, B.C., is, is the front of this war. It's like the... Uh, it is the new front. And I'll, I'll just go over, like, just for listeners who might not be totally familiar with what's happening there, um, I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little bit from the narwhal about um, about sorry I'll take that again I'm gonna I'm gonna read a little bit from the narwhal about uh, the history of this specific conflict between uh, resource extraction the state and uh, indigenous land defense so. On Sunday, November 14th, pipeline company Coastal GasLink was given eight hours to immediately evacuate uh, Gidobden clan territory near Houston, B.C. Uh, hereditary chiefs served the mandatory order for all company workers and subcontractors. Um, they were granted a two-hour extension to the evacuation timeline by uh, hereditary chief Wu's Frank Alec. Uh, but of the estimated 500 individuals housed at the coastal gas links to remote work camps, only a handful left. So since then, land defenders seized a coastal gas link excavator and bulldozer and used them to dismantle parts of Maurice Forest Service Road, the main point of access to the project sites and work camps. And I have to say, I watched uh, that footage as it was being posted um, by the Wet Sweat and Defenders, and it was one of the most inspiring things I've ever seen uh, in, in terms of like people posting activism. It was uh, seized bulldozers uh, and a, <laughs> a barricade built with a crushed car and an SUV. Um, you know, of course, so this didn't last very long, right? Um, basically, the RCMP were sent in on, I believe, Thursday, and uh, they arrested roughly 15 people. It's hard to say because... Not a lot of people are reporting on this. Not a lot of mainstream news well, you, outlets. You got to get the Christmas tree pricing. You know, yeah, I mean, if exactly. you're on the Christmas tree pricing beat, you don't have a lot of time for this. Yeah, no. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of um, small Christmas tree farm owners in British Columbia to get on the, on the horn. It's kind of difficult because you know a lot of the phone lines are down there, so you got to wait around. You know, hopefully their places dry out. I mean, look, this is just classic gumshoe reporting, really. Uh, hey, sorry, please, please go on, please go on. So, so besides, uh, besides the land defenders, the RCMP also arrested photojournalist Amber Bracken, uh, who won an award for a documentation of earlier land defense actions. And uh, they also arrested documentarian Michael Toledano. Um, and this is interesting. So according to one self-proclaimed ex-journalist on Twitter, uh, Toledano may have been quote, too close to his subject. Yeah, and that's illegal to get too yeah. close, you know? Yeah, yeah. Toledano, Toledano was filming a documentary and had been living at that camp for, like, months, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, well, hey, you know what? That's all I need. Arrest him, boys. I mean, look, we talk about, right, we, we talk about, uh, the uh, let's say, the security services and capital sort of joining up, but I did the, the whole, the, 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 the fact that the, the security services have been deployed in their two prongs to alleviate the worst effects of to continue, allow reproduction to continue and also ensure that the reproduction of the problem keeps continuing certainly does feel like um, a uh, 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 the, let's say, uh, joining up of the security services with capital. Doesn't it feel yes. like that to you? 
It does. It does. And, you know, one, speaking of security services, one thing that really uh, stood out to me during this whole, the unfolding of this, like, uh, paramilitary operation by the RCMP was when you look at pictures of these hogs, um, and then you look at pictures of the actual Canadian military deployed to do boring shit like fill sandbags in Abbotsford so um, chickens don't drown. Mm-hmm. Uh, the hogs in question are completely strapped up in like what I would uh, describe and what uh, a friend of mine described as Gucci tactical gear. Yeah, of course. Like the uh, United Arab Emirates Air Force. Except I think they use Fendi. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. So uh, I, have a, I have an unnamed source who uh, went through um, a bunch of these photographs of, uh, of the RCMP that were dropped into, into the camp. And uh, he went through each sort of item of gear and priced it out. And who boy, Riley. Um, I'm just, I'm just going to go through a few of them. But oh, you're going to make me glad right. I don't pay Canadian taxes. I, I sure am. I'm going to start with the rifles. Let's start with these rifles. So they, these guys have C8 rifles, which are also used by the Canadian Air Force. These are mm-hmm. minimum $2,000 each. And what makes them extra swaggy are uh, all, of the, gold. all of the fine add-ons. Uh-huh. We're talking these guys, you know, these, these, these guys basically, an RCMP guy who like, gets deployed to go, again, like make sure a pipeline gets built. Basically be a mall cop for a pipeline. Like he just lives on the Call of Duty gunsmith, right? It's exactly. His, this yeah. is just something that he can jack off over. These are fucking cops. These guys should be—I uh, don't know—doing uh, anything not. but this. They, <laughs> they should, they should, they should not. be not cops. They should just be doing they some other not. job. Exactly. Be, I don't know. Be a butcher, baker, a candlestick maker, anything else. Fill some, fill some fucking sandbags, you hogs. So. Uh, so the laser, uh, you know, we're talking lasers, sights, and suppressors. All these guys have, like, suppressors on their rifles. So um, the laser designators pictured on the rifles of, of our brave boys are desert khaki. Why the and they fuck are do you a- need a laser designator? <laughs> Who are you sniping? Yeah, what well, the, that's... What the fuck I mean, are you doing? That's kind of implied. Uh, they're ANPEQ-15s, which uh, retail for minimum $1.5,000 U.S., um, some of the RCMP are using EOTech hollow sites, which go for five to 600 bucks. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the cops appears to have a flip switch. Do you think sweat- that the fucking uh, land defenders are going to have a fucking mech? <laughs> why are you dressed? Why are you, are you dressed? Why are you kitted out like a, like a mercenary from, uh, from Metal Gear Solid guns of the Patriots? They're fighting, uh, they're fighting Gundams. They think yeah, they're fighting that's, Gundams. That's it. Um, so, you know, between that and, and these tech hollow sites, um, we're, we're at like, oh, and the suppressors, which are $500 each. That's a low ball estimate. We're Why do you need a suppressor? What? Who are you trying to kill quietly? <laughs> well, they could get, uh, they could, you know, I don't know. Uh, no, no, you know why? It's because, it's because the personality, the fucking authoritarian personality of someone who does that absolutely is the well john wick uses it and it sounds badass when it goes there it is yeah exactly that's it that's it so we've got you know uh arcteryx raincoats uh plate carriers uh with rich bag pouches i'm sorry (laughs) Uh, they're all they're all camo i'm afraid i well i mean 
as a as a as a as a as a hiker myself, I I can't fault that. I can understand it gets a little chilly out there, and you need to be you need to be protected, but you also want a slim cut. Yeah, you gotta and, look good, man. And and Patagonia. Yeah, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, buddy. Uh, you see the pictures of these guys up there? These guys need a slim cut. Uh, <laughs> These boys look like operators in that they're operating like a deep fryer and then um, just dumping it all right into their mouths. Like, yeah, they need to be dre- they need to dress like an issue of GQ that has Neil Patrick Harris in it from 2008. Yes. Like, yes. like, just the, the, like, the, like when GQ found out about skinny ties and get way overboard with it, uh, that's what these guys <laughs> need. They need to be skinny tie operators. We need to dress these guys like uh, members of Interpol uh, circa between the first record and the second record when they had uh, just enough money to really go to town on their outfits. <laughs> um, so, like, based on everything, including boots, pistols, accessories, you know, the base estimate uh, I got for these guys, each of them, ten to $20,000 in swag per hog. So, yeah, fine. And there's... Yeah, why not? Who cares? And then you look at the, <laughs> you again. You look at the pictures of the military filling fucking sandbags, and uh, and they're not looking so swaggy, no. comparatively speaking. Yeah, well, it's, it, what do you? It, 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 like a like a hollow site to make sure you fill the exact right bag with a certain amount of sand. Yeah. Um, well, I think they all should get Arcteryx jackets. Exactly. The obvious thing here is that these. Uh, you know, by by all of the gear that they have, by the way they conduct themselves, you know, not to, not to mention what they're actually doing up there, but just by the way they look and have they dressed for uh, this operation. Uh, these are people who are like dressed as if they're engaged in uh, counterinsurgency. Yeah, which they 100%. are. They are. They absolutely are. And I mean, like, there is going to be. I know I hate sound like a broken record. There's going to be more of it. Yes, There's more you things. Can, you, you can Go like ahead. individualize. You can individualize this shit and say that oh, this is just part of like a greater rightward lurch of cop culture, or people who become cops, you know, fetishize X, Y, and Z, and that's why they have all this shit. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. None of that really matters. It's uh, they look like that because that's what they're doing, and that's what they are. Yeah, absolutely. This is the reason that you're seeing more of these guys dressed in counterinsurgent gear. Is that increasingly they see themselves as and uh, rightly they see themselves they see themselves rightly so as an occupying force protecting an ever shrinking group of good Canadians, right? Yes. Um. And uh. You know. Again, if you're a an indigenous person, then you know you have always seen them this way. Again, rightly so. Uh. The whole time, right? But you know that that group that they're protecting is getting smaller. You know. Yeah. Um. Well, and, and they, they have a vested interest in this from a fi- on a financial level, mm-hmm. you know, well, because because their pensions are invested in the natu- in the coastal gas parent company TC Energy, to the but, tune of you know four point five percent of twelve point one billion dollars. So like, yeah, and it's just like every other. It's yeah, that's the other thing, right? That's the one of the other what my sort of test case of the housing crisis. Why it's sort of unsolvable. Is um, uh, solve the housing crisis uh, without blowing a hole in uh, the Canadian pension funds that are invested in real estate investment trusts. Yeah, you know, easy, easy. I'm sure. Done. Uh, done. You know, it's uh, it's it's just like in the UK, right? One of the things I thought was most naive about the sort of previous Labour manifestos um, under under Corbyn 
was that we didn't want to confront, even with Corbyn, we didn't want to confront exactly how much of the UK is just a big bomb factory for Saudi Arabia. <laughs> you know, uh, you closed like how much like, like these sort of multi-billion like pound weaponry deals or whatever. That's a lot of fucking money to give up. That's a lot of pension funds that are invested in like BAE. No, it's a lot of smack pee wets, you know. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot of wigan kebabs left on the shelf. And like, you know, there's a lot of in Canada, there's a lot of just like there are a lot of pension funds and people's uh, retirement savings that are in real estate investment trusts. There's a lot of like pension funds, both like pension funds for good people and pension funds for police uh, invested in uh, coastal gas link, invested in things that are dependent on coastal gas link. Yeah. You know, PSP and, Investments alone owns a hundred and six million dollars worth of shares in TC Energy. Mm-hmm. Like, that's not that's not a small amount of money. Yeah, and you know, it's uh, it's it is a it, it's and it's this it's this weaponized form of muddling through, right? Where you just solve the problems that are ahead of you, and without trying to cause any bigger ones. And you do that so you don't have to solve... You don't have to deal with the hyper object. You don't have to... Well, we can't shut the, the pipeline down because then the pensions will become worthless. And unless the pensions are paid in bottled water and like, you know, a, a <laughs> diesel generator, it's probably going to be worthless anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I mean, the thing to remember about this... Uh, what is happening in British Columbia right now in Northern BC is that, is that this is unceded territory. This is not a matter for like the judiciary, but it's one where the crown has an obligation to meet with leaders. And our Supreme court has already ruled that hereditary chiefs have title to their lands. Uh, lower courts have ruled band councils have no jurisdiction off reserve. So this action is going against established Canadian law. Um, Wet'suwet'en and Gitsen have, spent years fighting in court for this and on the ground yeah it's war it's a state of exception the laws the law the laws can't they'll only apply when it's not a state of exception and welcome to a permanent state of exception exactly yeah and you know just today like the same rcmp units using helicopters and canine teams broke up a blockade of rail lines miles away from where the blockade was mm-hmm. so this is this is now like an occupying um counterinsurgency force there's yeah. a, there's, and, and what I kept thinking over and over again was like, what if this happened in let's, I don't know, I'm going to pick a name of a country, let's say, oh, Belarus uh, or Russia, for instance, oh, or well, Venezuela. What happens or, there is political. When yeah. it happens here, it's technical, it's non-political, it's the enforcement of a law, for example. And uh, that is... And again, like that's it's it's certainly like it's not I would say it's not reported on in much of our press favorably, right? But it certainly is not also a target for say international opprobrium. It's certainly not, let's say yeah. it is certainly not made as big a deal of when we do it. Because we understand because again the the machine understands why it's doing why it why it's doing what it does. And it sort of and yeah, of course it identifies with itself. No, you're totally right, and there's there's a certain tone that um that reporting on this takes on, and and I would identify it as like a sort of a grim and grim and somber tone. Um, but it doesn't, but it doesn't. It's like they're grimly reporting on this thing, but it doesn't. Unlike you know, uh, say a journalist getting jailed 
in Russia, it doesn't generate the same amount of spun off op-ed pieces. Well, of course um, so. because the because the the media's job has already been done in this case. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the we we've already sort of we we've already said well, uh, we we sort of we accept that we need to we need to do this in order to enjoy raising li- rising living standards forever. Again, you never question if you'd be one of the per- people who is not enjoying rising living standards, and now we can just sort of be sad about it. That's the main valence by which by which it is dealt with is just being kind of sad about it. And that's sort I'm, of I'm mostly making, what they can I'm do. making the motion with my fingers, but um, in this case, it means cheap Christmas trees. And we talk like about this as sort of a, a war of varying intensities, right? It's at its most intense in BC right now. That's where it is. It's most militarized. That's where most of the uh, most of the collateral damage is happening. And and, and the weapon is you know, whether the weapon being used is carbon emissions or you know. It's like twenty thousand dollars worth of Call of Duty gun, right? It, it's sort of, it's much of a muchness. In the in in the East, it's sort of it's different. We have our, our sort of labor struggles and so on. We have people sort of blocking uh, infrastructure routes. I mean, look, uh, and I think it's it's worth bringing up, right? And it's slightly out of order, but it's worth bringing up that like in in the UK, we're pretty ahead on. Um, on, on not just criminalizing people who engage in that kind of protest, right, but then actually jailing them. So the first, uh, first group of, um, of sort of uh, protesters, as you may or may not know if you're in Canada, a couple of big groups of sort of environmental protesters. Um, and I am convinced, to be honest, it's like both these organizations is like 80 to 95 percent police officers. Um, right, but just I, absolutely COINTELPRO to the hilt. Like, yeah, I, 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 different departments that don't know how how cop heavy these organizations are. Right, you know, and and Britain, there's a proud tradition of like sort of vaguely progressive, vaguely green movements being just entirely police infiltrated by police officers. No one's not a cop. Um, Sex cops. Yep, that's us. Uh, anyway, but there are. There are now nine people who've been handed custodial sentences, like they're in jail now for doing this, which is a first for the country. I mean, if you want to know where, what's happening, right, it's the Tories in, in, the, the, in Canada, you know, and, and I believe in Ontario, right, the Ford government wants to do the same thing. Jail sentence if you block any infrastructure. Um, yeah, we saw that on our, uh, during our elec- election coverage when we were going through individualized uh, platforms, and uh, that kept popping up, the idea that blockading infrastructure would be a criminal offense um jail time and that's that's what's coming (laughs) yeah and that's more thing more elements of your life are going to get touched by what feels like counterinsurgency because you're now one of the points of counterinsurgency is uh that you you have to make constant threat assessments about that you're looking at someone who you think have to think whether or not they're an insurgent whether or not they're going to do something that you need to stop them from doing. And yes. the Canadian security services, you can see it with how what's happening, well, what's been happening for years uh, with unceded lands out West. But you can also, you know, so you're going to see it more with like um, uh, how they're, how protesters are being treated. Uh, you, I think you're going to see it more when they, when they realize how like desperate internally displaced people can be as well. Right. There's going to mm-hmm. be a sense that these people are security problems. And the security yes. forces only know how to deal with security problems in one way, which is to uh, 
crush them. Contain and neutralize. And, you know, as a regular citizen, maybe police will start looking more like an occupying force to you. But Riley, you know, this country, we've been, we've been, uh, We've been extracting the uh, vast uh, mineral and resource wealth from this country for hundreds of years. Surely, um, you know, we're, we're running out of stuff to pull out of the ground. Uh, we'll all just get jobs in uh, Canadian DARPA, yep. headquartered in Calgary, uh, building bigger and better like Gundam NFTs. Uh, yeah, that we're all going to build market. the Dennis Leary NFTs. Um, yeah, right? Yeah. Should I be worried about another potential resource that uh, that might be uh, securitized and fought over? Well, I mean, uh, certainly, certainly, uh, as as the electric vehicles uh, ramp up in production, yeah, I mean, uh, rare. If you want to mine rare earths, there's very few better places to do it than Northern Ontario. Um, oh, good. Yep, and uh, Christian Freeland is already. Uh, pushing really hard. Uh, in fact, this was only a few days ago. Uh, was pushing really hard at um, uh, uh, the uh, sort of the, the, um, of the North American Trade Summit, being like, "Hey, you're making a lot of these uh, cars in America. Don't forget, build American should include Canada." Uh, that was the previous administration's policy. And besides, we have lots and lots of rare earths that we can mine and sell you. Um, so, and a lot of those rare earths are under a lot of peat. Disturbing that peat releases a lot of carbon into the atmosphere. Uh, so anyway, we're just going to do that. Uh, and if you have a problem with it in the security services, if you have a, and the thing is, if you have a problem with being internally displaced, and the security services are going to uh, treat you more and more as a security threat. And if that's not like, if that's not what it means to be, I don't know, occupied, that, that logic, right? I don't know what does. I used to worry that, you know, in terms of uh, the scramble for resources at the end of of uh, this period of human development would involve the United States invading Canada and taking our shit. But now, you know, after watching parts of this trilateral summit, I realize we're just going to give it to them. We're going to sell it yeah. to them. They're not yeah. going to have to come in here. Like, they're not going to sell us nuclear submarines. Um, cause that might blow, that might backfire on them down the, ro- down the line, but also we're just going to fucking sell it. We'll suggest it, you know? Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Uh, we, yeah. we, we can expand Tesla's fucking ZEV credits to Northern Ontario, you know? Because we've always just been a part of their project really, right? That's, that is, and, and that is, that is, that is their project. It's not that the Canadian state, the Canadian state really doesn't have a valence other than be a part of this larger project. Uh, it is all it. Whether or not that's sort of the the British colonies, whether or not that's that's um that that's sort of the uh, American imperialism, such as it is, that's just what it is that we do, and we will deploy anything we need to do to get it, no matter what it, no matter what. And you know that's what this is the thing I've been hammering in this episode is a lot of people are that no matter what. Yes, yes, yeah. a lot of people follow, and and you know I. I think our, I think to close this out, you know, I want to I want to end with the words of uh, our current prime minister Justin Trudeau, who uh, I believe on the very same day that the RCMP were deployed to clear out the land defenders, um, at this trilateral summit, Trudeau said, "Canada is a major oil and gas producing company, er, country." 
Sure, why not? Uh, yeah. Does he mean company in terms of a company of soldiers or a corporation? I guess we will never know. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Nevertheless. <laughs> anyway, that's <Yeah>. depressing. <laughs> but, <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> yeah. Woo. That's I want to go back to the I want to go back to talking about the Dennis Leary NFT that's projected onto this guy. That's that's fun. I mean, you know, for us, if, you'd have to go to the free state of Manhattan to experience the absolute uh, grandeur of the Dennis Leary uh, hologram. Here in Canada, we're we're gonna you know what we're getting, buddy. Uh, is it gonna be the Stomp and Tom Connors? No uh, hologram. No. no. Imagine, <laughs> imagine a three hundred foot high Brent Butt head just quipping from the from the orange and red sky of uh, Sudbury, just looking down on you and smiling. You know. Mm-hmm. Oh no, we all have to live in Brent Butt's paradise now. It's the final. Uh, it's the final configuration. Dog River will be coast to coast. <laughs> sure, I can't wait for fucking Davis to just like tell me to th- tell me that my papers aren't right to get into the green zone for today. <laughs> fucking awesome, dude. Yeah, yeah. So you can't come Brighter over to future. Manhattan to see the really good to see the like the good side of the projection of Dennis Leary, uh, because. Uh, I'm afraid that uh, today is not today. You you don't have a work permit to be over in Manhattan today. You got to back to Brooklyn with you. Go take your your penny farthing and go to fucking uh, 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 the Carthage must burn. Get your ninety dollar uh, uh, sort of chicken chicken sandwich. Uh, fuck off. Great. <laughs> oh my. <sighs> a bright future for us all. Um. Well, I think. I think on that note, I think I think I'm going to go uh, get into the sleeping bag and uh, and and zip it up real tight. <laughs> Watch some corner corner gas on my phone. Yeah, that's right. Off I go uh, to sleep in a, a big bed with my partner. Um, but I think your thing sounds cool too. Oh, thanks. thanks. <laughs> All right, uh, but no. Uh, thank you, everybody, for listening to this. Uh, a barrel of laughs episode of Baldwin. Let's do a, let's do a, like a fun, lighthearted one for the bonus this week. Absolutely. Let's, yeah. Let's read some like stupid local news items with Rylan and talk more about Scran. That sounds good to me. So we can talk about what gotta, Scran is class, and we can talk. You got to like, take the salty with the sweet, like not unlike yeah. the uh, gas dam- uh, gas station Branston pickle and sharp cheddar cheese sandwich that I keep thinking about. I don't know why you keep thinking about that. It's a very ordinary sandwich. It's just the weirdest fucking sandwich. It's like uh it's like Christmas flavored relish and like a nice cheese, but on like a weird brown version of Wonder Bread. Christmas flavored relish. You gotta come back to the UK, man. I gotta show you. Branston pickle. Who can who, who can understand? I'm not saying I hate it. I'm gonna I mean, bring clearly you. Some, I what if I bring you? I'm still thinking about it. I, look, I was planning on bringing you like an English sparkling white. Uh, for Christmas, okay. but instead I'm going to bring you a, a jar of Branson pickle. Sorry, Branson pickle. <laughs> no, not Branson. Branson pickle. I'm going to bring you a jar of Branson pickle. <laughs> he makes Branson pickle himself. is cheese whiz and Gatorade mixed together. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye, folks. <laughs>